This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Hello and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Andrew Clyden and I'm joined today by Miles Danhausen, writer-nighter for The Pulse. How's it going, Miles? It's going good, Andrew. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm so excited to jump into the podcast. So nice. We recorded it twice. As longtime listeners of the podcast will know, every once in a while, uh, we run into technical difficulties. And here we are jumping back in, trying to recapture all of the playful banter, uh, winning jokes, and hard-hitting information that we just lost because uh, I was a little incompetent in my recording. So I'm, here we go again, Miles. I'm, I'm glad this one's on you. I, I feel like I've screwed this up so many times when we've been working on projects together, so... I'm, I'm good. It's your fault. Well, it just goes to show that, you know, you never let the fundamentals slide because as soon as you <laughs> do, you end up losing 10 minutes of just really wonderful conversation. Between Timeless. Us. Timeless. Timeless. Right? Absolutely. The whole office was laughing. It was, wow. All right, here we go. Round two. <laughs> now we get to remake our small talk too, which is fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Miles, uh, it is nice and warm outside and I feel like everybody's getting out and kind of seeing each other again. And part of that is because things are opening up as we get closer to Memorial Day. There's more stuff going on. And I kind of wanted to talk about that kind of stuff in this episode. So maybe less news this time around and more like, hey, what's open? What can people do right now? What can people look forward to as we're approaching Memorial Day weekend? Yeah, the world's back. <laughs> or at least to it's, some extent. For us, it is. Yeah, it's it's starting to feel that way for sure. Uh, I got out to Sister Bay over Mother's Day weekend and walked around up there. Uh, got to see um, the new Al Johnson's building, their retail building, Skull. Got to see that before the sod got put down on it. Uh, so that looks like it's really coming along. I haven't been inside there yet, but I believe the inside is open. So you can go check it out. Have you been in there yet? Yeah, actually, they did a little Christmas market uh, over the holiday season last year. So um, I'm not sure exactly what the what it's going to look like this summer. I think they're doing some grand opening stuff pretty soon. And, but yeah, a nice retail outlet. A lot of storage for the restaurant is in that building as well. It's kind of amazing hmm. how much you need when you serve as many people as Al Johnson's does. Yeah, that's fair. No, it was it was just weird kind of walking through Sister Bay and seeing, because that's a pretty big building uh, and it has some pretty big street presence for sure. And then right down the street from that is the Door Hotel, which was just finished. And I got to see both of those for the first time, like out of their construction phase. And it was kind of weird because I felt like I was going to have stronger feelings, especially about the Door Hotel, but I, I didn't really. It just kind of, you know, it, it, it is what it is. Could it be smaller for sure? But at the same time, I feel like it was executed really well. So it just... I, I saw it and I, I moved on and, and didn't really have as strong of feelings as I thought I was going to. Yeah, and they still haven't finished the the, the final touches on it. There's still the landscaping to put down. I think they open and start taking their first guests Memorial Day weekend. Um, but I would agree with you. Like there's, and I was never one of those people who thought that it was a horribly ugly building or anything like that. But I know there are a lot of people who do. But I think when you look at it, like, yes, that, that fourth story is probably the big thing. Um, but yeah, architecturally, I think it's, it's fine and it, it looks good. I think the, the, it looks contemporary. So it's a little different for anybody who's just 
used to, you know, Door County buildings of the past, I guess. But even when you compare it to, say, like what generally people look at Ephraim and they say those are really pretty buildings and um, I like the look of it. And then you, if you look up close, a lot of those really pretty buildings are just, you know, basic vinyl siding too. And if you look for um, strong architectural touches, most of the time you're not going to find them. They're pretty basic buildings. And I would argue actually the, that the hotel door probably has more architectural touches and tiny little flourishes. Not a lot, but like more than a lot of other buildings that we kind of take, we just, we don't raise a ruckus about. So, yeah. Um, that's it. And especially if you compare it to other buildings in, in Sister Bay. So, right. Well, and I guess if you're going to have a building that big and that close to the road, then it should be, you know, impressive, right? Like that should be one of the things that you're striving for. And I think they executed it pretty well. So it was, yeah. was kind of interesting to see. Also up in Sister Bay, uh, there's a lot of restaurants that are opening back up. And I got to hit up Fat Bellies over the weekend as well which I was really excited about because, boy, when they opened last year, being right next to the daycare, I stopped in there probably more than than anyone else. So it was <laughs> nice to be able to check them out again. But there's a lot of places that are opening back out. You and I were talking earlier about eating inside for the first time after a year and how that felt. And uh, it's, like I said, it just all contributes to this feeling of excitement as things are coming back. Yeah, my wife and I are both um, a couple of weeks away from being fully or post full vaccination. Um, so we dined inside for the first time. There's the new happy hour at Roots Inn and Kitchen up in Sister Bay. Um, Grassy's Grill is back open doing to go. And it's I talked to uh, the owner, Jess Grassy. And for the time being, they're going to keep it takeout only. Um, mm-hmm. But one awesome thing for those of Chicago fans out there, they have added a Italian beef sandwich to the menu this summer. Mm-hmm. And I am a, a bit of a a beef connoisseur from Chicago. Italian beef sandwich is obviously hugely popular. Um, and theirs is, theirs is pretty solid. They add cheese to it, which is a little different for the, the purists, but um, it's Wisconsin. So cheese goes on everything, but it is really That's good. That's true. Makes sense. <laughs> well, and speaking um, of cheese too, I was going to say at Fat Belly, they added mac and cheese to their menu full time this year. They do a <laughs> uh, triple cheese truffle, which I had, which was fantastic. They do a barbecue mac and cheese with Dorkarma bacon, and they do a chicken bacon ranch as well. Uh, it was really good. <laughs> if you're into gourmet mac and cheese, now there's a, a pretty cool spot for it. <laughs> so there's, yeah, lots of stuff. I mean, we, we stopped in, saw some friends at the Wickman house. I saw the chives, you know, the food trucks are back opened up. Um, you know, everything around, around the County is coming to life and mm-hmm. just going in there. I, you, you know, when you live here, the, the service staff at restaurants kind of becomes part of an extended friends and family crew. And then like, I realized I didn't see all those people last year. It, it you know, obviously last year we knew it right away, but I've kind of like gotten into that routine of, yeah, we're just, we're just locked in at home and this is what we do. And you don't go into these restaurants and, um, and you're not allowed to, and now that you can, you're like, oh, yeah, I forgot how much I missed this. <laughs> so. Yeah, miss chatting with people. You yeah. know, you mentioned Chives. Chives, their food trucks, interesting this year. Uh, they're doing like QR code ordering where you can just take a picture of the QR code on the side of the truck and order ahead of time take a seat out at their outdoor seating and then they'll call your name up. And hmm. it's something that JR was inspired by after he went to Disney World. He saw them doing it there and, and brought it back here. Yeah, I've seen that at uh, when I was in uh, Florida, they were doing that QR code, I think probably just to save on printing menus all the time. Because <laughs> yeah. they were, you know, they, some places took the, the step of, all right, well, one use menus, and then we throw them out just to avoid con- multiple contact points and things like that. But 
yeah, that, that's and that's one of those things that probably will stay to some extent because if especially if it streamlines the ordering process. And hopefully all these places get enough help that they can actually stay open. <laughs> right. Some other things that have started up again would be County League Baseball. I know that they did uh, kind of a reduced or, or a, a, like less seating last year, though, right? But this year they're kind of back in full swing. Is that correct? They did kind of a reduced schedule. About halfway through the year they got something going um, after initially canceling. They kind of renamed it, but it was basically a County League. Uh, but this year they're back with a full schedule. I actually stopped by um, the field up over in Sister Bay last weekend, saw the Bays take on Institute um, down in Egg Harbor, pitcher through no hitter. So if you like baseball, it's back. It was That's another great place to see a ton of locals in a small sort of period of time. It's, it's, it was another great opportunity to just see a lot of people. Right. Well, and also outdoor, uh, mm-hmm. Sarah Ray Lancaster wrote for us a piece about the Door County Triathlon, which is going to be happening July 17th and 18th of this year. So they are back on track for the try as well. Yeah, she talked to Sean Ryan, the director, who incidentally has been uh, managing vaccine clinics down for Bell and Health in uh, the Green Bay area. Yeah, since there are no events. And he is he is the guy to do that. Uh, um, I don't know anybody. Uh, better about logistics and things like that um, than Sean Ryan. So yeah, well, and what a great pivot too. When I read that, I was like, wow, that makes a lot of sense to take all of your event organization experience and then pivot it into like this public health crisis, like kind of match made in heaven in a way. Yeah, yeah, he he's the perfect guy for it. Um, but I know he had a, a hard time last year, just like we did, not being able to do any events. And now it's he's starting to feel more and more confident that they're going to be able to do it in July, uh, which is which great news. And then in you know for us, we are moving forward with plans for the Door County Beer Festival in June. Um, and with each day with more vaccinations and case counts going down, um, we're feeling better and better about doing these things. You know, still taking precautions, spacing things out, maybe limiting capacity more than in the past. But, you know, we're getting to that point where some of these things can start to return. Right. Well, one thing that uh, Sean Ryan said was that one change that they're doing this year is moving towards uh, doing a time trial start rather than the wave starting that they've used before. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I thought it was interesting that he mentioned that that is a change that some triathlons have made even before COVID just because everybody running into the water all at the same time can be really intimidating. And so spreading it out kind of helps alleviate that just in general, but then that transitions to COVID times too and helps spread people out a little bit more. Thought that was, you know, maybe we'll see that shift in other races moving forward just because, hey, it makes sense now, but it also made sense before too. Yeah, one of the things that is intimidating to first-time people in a triathlon, when you enter the water and you're grouped with, it's not like all 2,000 people go in at once, but it is a group of, say, 50, and it's kind of scary even in shallow water to be like have that many people jostling around you in, in close quarters. Um, so some people even wait and let everyone go out just to kind of have cleaner water and, and not that, that fear because it, it can, it can spark panic. And every year they, there are certain, a lot of the people that we would pull from the water in that event, you'd pull them from the water before they even got to the end of the dock at Murphy park, because that adrenaline rush and then the panic of being amongst all those swimmers had kind of like sh- shaken people. So right, I can totally see where he's saying, yeah, spreading that out might be preferred for a lot of uh, those swimmers. 
Yeah. Uh, a couple other things that I wanted to talk about. Galleries opening back up and exhibitions going on. And Tom Groenfeld, who's been writing art for us for a while, who's been doing artist profiles for us all last year, uh, he got out to a couple of exhibits last week and wrote about those. And really, really cool stuff. If you are missing art exhibits and gallery openings, that's going to be another thing that will probably come back this year uh, in a big way. One that he wrote about, which is running through May 29th, is at the Miller Art Museum. And they have six different artists who are all coming together. They're doing a couple of different exhibitions, but as Tom writes in his piece, they all kind of talk to each other in certain ways, hmm. right? They they have similar feelings, or uh, one painter may have been uh, mentored by another painter who is there. Uh, and so all of these different exhibits kind of create an experience together, which was really cool. And lots of different types of art uh, being showcased here too in a lot of different mediums. So it's one of those exhibits where there's kind of something for everybody. Hmm. Um, and they pair with the Gerhard Miller stuff that's there as well. Um, so it, if you haven't been to the Miller in a while and you want to check out a bunch of different art, they have a lot of things that are going on right now. And I believe they still have a virtual exhibit up there as well of student art. Hmm. So even if you're not up here before the 29th, uh, they put together this really cool 3D walkthrough where you can walk through a virtual version of the Miller and, and see a bunch of, of student work that way. So I would guess that like if if you're anybody involved in art galleries or in some of these organizations like the Miller or the Hardy um, or any of these cultural organizations, just it's such a relief to be thinking about putting on real events again and welcoming people into the studio to see the art um, or into the gallery to actually be there in that place versus how do we create this virtual version of this thing? It's, it's just got to be nice to getting back to what you were hired to do. Right. Well, and I think that even this year we'll see a combination of those two pieces, right? We'll see some virtual things. We'll see some non-virtual things. The other uh, exhibit that he wrote about was at the Crest Pavilion, uh, which is called Between the Cracks. And it started as a series of Zoom workshops uh, where people came together and shared ideas based on the idea of liminal spaces. Are you familiar with that term? I am not. So it's 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 a term that kind of has to do with like the in-between spaces, right? So like if you ever see uh, some good examples that I like, or if you ever see like an abandoned office building, that is like a liminal space and that okay. it's something that exists, but you like, you, you rarely come in contact with them and yet they seem familiar to you hmm. in a way. Or another one that I think is great is if you ever look at the backgrounds on Lego boxes, especially ones from like the 80s and 90s, those are like, super reminiscent of liminal spaces because it's like oh yeah that's definitely i recognize that but i can't place where it would be or how it would exist mm -hmm. and so this workshop kind of talked about liminal spaces and they put together uh, just a bunch of different art that relates to that or or in you know things that fall in between of other things uh, and tom wrote about that as well and that is running until may 31st so a couple different exhibits to see through the end of the month if you've been itching to get back out and see some art there's some pretty cool options out there this month 
One last thing that I wanted to chat about, Miles, uh, is a piece that Vanessa McGowan put together, but I don't want to chat about it with you. I want to <laughs> chat about it with Vanessa uh, because she, uh, as a musician, she has much greater insight to music and the music scene than we do. And she wrote a piece about the logistics of tours and how specifically a small community like Door County with relatively small music venues can pull in huge names, like at the auditorium bringing in Bobby McFerrin and Ben Folds and the Glenn Miller Orchestra. How do we, especially where we are on this peninsula, how do we bring in those names? And it has to do with uh, a couple interesting tour hacks that artists will put together. Uh, and Vanessa kind of broke that down for us. So uh, without further ado, Miles, thank you for chatting with me. And we're going to jump into a conversation with Vanessa about music tours. All right. Thank you, Andrew. Okay, we are back, and I am joined today by Vanessa McGowan. If you have been reading the music section in The Pulse over the past, a long time now, actually, <laughs> uh, then you're familiar with her work. Vanessa, you're a musician, and you've been writing for us about music for quite a while, doing a lot of different things from artist Q&As to profiles. And then you put together a piece this week, which I found really, really interesting, and I want to chat about that. But thank you for coming on the podcast to chat uh, about your your musical writing that you've done. And uh, before we jump into the piece that you wrote this week, just walk me through writing about Door County music <laughs> and, and meeting the the different artists who call Door County home or perform through here. How has that been for you? It's been great. It's It's been interesting because I've been coming to Door County now, you know, um, sort of splitting my time for four years. And I'm usually a professional musician by trade. So it's been interesting getting to know the locals because I actually really, even though I've been coming here for four years, I really don't. Like it's the first time I've lived somewhere where I don't know the music scene and I, um, you, you know, all my music has been happening in Nashville and, and touring out of Nashville and then I'd come here and I'd just like hide away and chill. So I didn't really ever get to know them. So this has been a really interesting chance to get to know more of the local scene and, and get to have some great conversations with some really fantastic musicians and start to feel like I'm at least, you know, starting to find my people. <laughs> right. Well, and it's been great reading them too, because there haven't been a lot of live music events over the last year. And so getting to spend that one-on-one -on -one time with the artists talking about their music, their process, what they're excited about getting back to uh, when the music scene opens up again. And then I feel like the last couple of weeks or months have been kind of that, like that building excitement of like, there's going to be live music this year in a big way. It might look a little different in certain places, but it's definitely happening. Uh, and, and you've done some work with the pulse in terms of uh, bringing in live music and that kind of stuff. But uh, the, the piece that you wrote for this week was answering a question that I've had ever since like one of my first experiences in Door County. My wife bought me a wedding present, which was to go see Ben Folds at Door Community Auditorium. And I remember sitting there and thinking like, wow, I can't believe that I live in this place and I'm sitting in this small but beautiful theater and I'm watching Ben Folds. How do we even get big artists like that? Right. And then in learning about the different people who have been through the doors at DCA and around Door County, it's like, I can't believe that we're pulling in such big names. And it turns out that there is a reason for that. There's a, a, a music touring hack, as you put it, <laughs> that allows big names like that to hit a place like Door County. So walk me through that process. Walk me through the, the piece and, uh, and how a place like this pulls the names that it does. 
Right. So yeah, it's it's interesting because from the audience perspective, obviously you're just thinking about the the wonderful music that you're enjoying, which is which is the point. But from the music musicians side of it, especially musicians that are either independent or the people that are booking the tours for the musicians who do have teams, they're really thinking about it purely from logistics of like, okay, well, we're based out of Austin, Texas, and we want to do a tour that takes us up to New York City. How are we going to do that in a way that financially makes sense? And also, you know, we, we don't want to drive more than maybe, like if you're driving in the day, you don't want to drive more than six or seven hours. Um, if you're in a bus, you can drive overnight so you can get a little further, but it's very much like a logistics bunny hop kind of thing where you start to look at it like, okay, this is where we're starting. This is where we're ending. We want to do a circle so we can get home again. Uh, where can we go on the way and where can we go on the way back? Um, and and Door County falls into that by being a place where, because it's on a peninsula, it's not obviously en route to anywhere apart from itself, <laughs> but um, close enough to big places that if you're you know playing in Chicago, for example, um, doing a show in Door County the next day might be close enough to kind of keep you roughly on your on your route that you're trying to be on, and as you know, as it becomes like a, a bunny hop show. Um, for me, when I first played here, we were on on route to play a festival in Eau Claire. Um, so Door County was kind of out of the way, but close enough. You know, we were coming from up from Nashville. Um, so most, uh, so the dates that um, send people on these little circle tours are, are considered anchor dates, which is kind of the big shows that put usually put a tour together financially. You know, you say if you're on the road for three weeks, you're going to want at least a handful of shows that you know are going to pay some good money. Usually those are festival dates or they're like, you know, smaller, um, small theatres or if you're a big, if you're a big band, it's going to be like arena tours and things. Um and the auditorium falls into that because you often have bands who will have made it up to Chicago to play some of those big festivals that happen around that area. And and coming up to, to Door County to play is is no big deal. And it's it's a great, it's a win for the community, but it's also great for the band because it's another, it's another good show. It's another good moneymaker. Maybe it's not as much as the big festival date that's the anchor, but it's going to be enough to keep you going. Yeah. When, when I start to think of it as like looking at a map and plotting down three to five big shows that make the whole tour work. Right. And then traveling along that route and being like, okay, well, here's a smaller venue that I could do. And here's something over here. But then like trying to make that work fiscally, I think mm -hmm. is the important thing. Right. I, I think that you mentioned something about like, will this show cover lodging and food and right. travel and then is it worth it to break even on that show as your way just for the experience or uh that that was the part that was really fascinating to me in reading about like it's not just a linear progression where you're like i want to go here then here then here then here it's these are my five big shows and where does it make sense mm -hmm. to do shows and you got to stop right like you've got to stop and sleep and eat so if you can stop and you can sleep and eat and you can make enough money to cover that, <laughs> even if you're not making, like if the, if it's going to cost you 500 bucks for hotel rooms and food for that night, even if you can only, even if you make 500 bucks, you're, you're still square. At least you're like on the move and you're getting to the next place. So those, I think that the, the linking shows, which we call the routing shows, they, they don't have to be huge money, money earners, as long as they're keeping you, if they can keep you even like above at zero, that's, that's fine because you're at least still moving towards the big date that you're heading towards or the big money, money show. And maybe you'll sell some merch and make some extra cash. And, you know, it's, it's kind of, it is, it's this logistics thing of we want to get to here and we need to stay financially viable on the way. And as long as we do that, then we're winning. 
Right. Well, and you talked to Carrie Lewis over at DCA, right? Mm-hmm. What, was, what was her input on this? Well, we, yeah, we had been talking about this actually as we were booking booking in some of the bands f- that we're presenting as the Pulse is this new kind of summer venture. We'd been talking about this thing and she'd been saying that because a lot of the bigger shows in, in Chicago and Illinois and around, because a lot of those big dates are still yet to confirm this year, just because of COVID, you know, question mark kind of thing. Um, she had lost some of the bigger acts that were going to come through because their anchor dates got cancelled. So because the anchor date got cancelled, the, you know, that means the routing shows just fall off by, you know, just as part of it. Um, so so she had kind of some openings in her schedule that she wasn't expecting to have because of that. And we got chatting about the the anchor date thing and how that kind of affects it. Um, and then in writing this piece, I thought, you know, she is the person who's going to have a really good um, perspective on this because she she will be, you know, she makes the most of that ex- of, of that um, phenomenon um, by looking at some of those um, other big schedules and looking at bands that are coming through and, and, and maybe they come to her or maybe she goes to them and says, hey, I see you're in the area. Do you want to pop up here for an extra show? Um, so capitalizing on that is is how you get some of those big bands up here. And I think also like the, the booking agents that are working, like I'm looking at it from a very much like an independent artist perspective of if you're booking it yourself and you've got this goal in mind and this is how you kind of do it and this is how you plot it out. But booking agents, you know, that's, that, that is how they think. You know, they think in terms of routing shows. They think in terms of, you know, it's nine hours to this place. So therefore we should do this. It's, it's all, it's, it's amazing how little of it is about the art (laughs) and how much of it's about planning and logistics. Right. Yeah. That interplay between the two, like you obviously think about what can I do to make this schedule work for my tour? But then Carrie is thinking about like, also how can I take advantage of these other big shows that are happening and how can I pull people up? So you have these two people kind of working together in that way. Um, so it's really interesting. Of course, she mentioned that there are bands who come up here on their own without, mm-hmm. you know, this is the big show for them. Right. Uh, but in order to pull big names like Willie Nelson and Ben Folds and the Glenn Miller Orchestra, those types of things, you have to take advantage of this and kind of game the tour a little bit. Yeah. Uh, well, so- her venue's not, I mean, it's not small. It's 700 capacity. It's like not by any stretch a small venue. It's like a big venue for for smaller bands. It's funny because it does fall into this place of like it's too big for the, for the very, very small, you know, just starting kind of bands and it's a bit too small for the bands that are used to playing to 20,000 people. So it's kind of, it falls into this interesting, interesting place, which I think is, is very common of lots of venues, especially in the, not in the major cities, you know, and it's the biggest venue in a smallish, smaller place. Yeah. Well, and that, I mean, that just goes to show too, the unique position that Dork Community Auditorium is in, especially given that it's a small community to be the theater that it is for what we consider to be a small town, even though we have the tourist economy that we have, it's just kind of give and take. And like without the people who put in the money to make such a thing like that, uh, what is a theater that's more appropriate for this size look like? So it's amazing that we have something like that. Uh, And it puts Carrie in a really unique position to be able to be like, this is, you know, Bigger than what our community might call for, but we're going to utilize that to pull in stuff that everybody's really going to, you know, it's going to drop people's jobs. And it's a great venue. So I think also no matter what your strategy is, you're not going to get those big acts to come play here unless it's a good venue. Like they're not going to come just because you ask them to, like it has to sound good. It has to feel good. They have to have, she has to have the team, you know, to, to make these shows work well, especially for those bigger artists that are used to working in really great venues. Yeah. Is there anything else, Vanessa, about this uh, this phenomenon or this question that you've answered uh, that you think is important to share with people or about just 
live music in general as we're gearing up for things to start happening again? I think, honestly, it's funny because I answered the question and I guess I'm sort of like pulling the curtain back a little bit. But I also think that if musicians are doing their job well, you shouldn't be thinking about this stuff. You know, like you shouldn't, we often talk about this when we're on tour, like we can be standing side of stage, like talking about politics or talking about the weather or talking about something completely inane. And then, you know, the second you walk on stage and those lights go up, it's like the show is on and you, the, the the audience shouldn't be thinking about how the musicians are feeling or if they're hungry or if they're tired or if they're, you know, bored or whatever. It's like, the, it's it's all of this logistic stuff is supposed to be kept behind the curtain because the, the show is meant to be this magical experience where everyone gets a, a reprieve from life and you get to get swept away and swept away in the lyrics or swept away in, in, in the groove and wanting to dance and all that stuff. So... I want to like, it's, it's like, think about this stuff because it's interesting, but then also try and just forget about it and enjoy the show. Right. Well, Vanessa, thank you so much for coming on and chatting with me. I've really, really enjoyed reading all of your pieces over the last six, 10 months, however long it's been. Thank you. Uh, getting to know these different Door County artists, but also getting to know a little bit more behind the scenes and the music side of things. It's been really great. So thank you for coming on and I look forward to chatting with you again soon. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at The Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com shop, where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.